Welcome to the IT Shop Podcast. In this episode, we'll be talking about the cloud. We'll interview special guest star Ruby Ann O'Brien, and we'll learn a little bit more about your IT Shop cast. Thanks for joining us. Let's get started. Welcome to uh, episode one of the IT Shop Podcast. My name is Mike Meyer. And I am joined by my co-stars, John Bennett, Chad Scott, and Michael Clark. Uh, I guess in this, first, in this first episode, right, we want to talk about where the idea for the IT shop came from. And it, as, was, it was an it was a, uh, epiphany uh, <laughs> that came to us. Uh, Chad Scott and I, this is John Bennett. Uh, Chad Scott and I were... Not wanting to work. This is Chad Scott, basically. No, no, no. Just no, 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 no. I wouldn't say not wanting to work. I would say more or less... You, brainstorming. Yeah, you were brainstorming. It's, it's, this we is were the, inspired. You were in the ideation yes. phase of working. We, we were saying, how do we separate ourselves in a world of digital transformation mm. and understanding Bigger. how we can set ourselves apart a little bit and kind of, you know, put something new on the table. It kind of stems from, from leveraging all the conversations we've had in the yeah. past and technologies we've been in front of to, to say, how can we put something together to bring value to someone else, right? And yeah. hopefully... You guys had done like an acting gig before, right? Um, we crushed, right? You used to put up, John, you put up that CEO thing where I was the acting CEO. Oh, that's, that's right. We that's did have some. Started. Remember, clients so, thought you were a real CEO. Mm-hmm. We, we did have. A, we had a, a presentation to where we had a a, a a skit, and Chad was the CEO, and he nailed it, by the way. And uh, I was more or less the guy that organized things. But we did have a, a previous acting stint, so that kind of, I guess, fueled the. The creation for the IT shop because everybody came up to us and said that was great because it delivered information, but it was entertaining and it was informative and it was different. It had something new to set to PowerPoint or um, yeah. IT uh, brew and stew or what do y'all call them things <laughs> or lunch and fun. Either <laughs> lunch, lunch, lunch and fun. Lunch and fun. Even the best uh, speakers uh, this week, right? We got buried by PowerPoints. Even the best speakers that use the, you know, the, the Nancy Duard type PowerPoints, a couple words, a big picture, whatever. I, I'm so over somebody standing up and talking to me. Uh, it, it just it doesn't work anymore. So the idea is put something together in a in a format that we're all used to, uh, and in a content consuming culture i should expect this will be showing up on netflix <laughs> maybe next year webbies right right right, right. <laughs> assuming it's gonna get bought Defin- by definitely uh, interesting to see what's gonna happen and for legal purposes uh we do not represent the uh, our opinions in the commentary here do not represent the, uh, the organization for which we work but, uh, but we do represent ourselves and our own experiences here. And, and the idea is to bring some of that to the table. Uh, and so from a character standpoint on the show, uh, which is probably what brought you to the podcast, unless you started with the podcast and are about to go to the show. There may be spoilers involved. I just warned you ahead of time. Uh, we, we sort of play ourselves, uh, except that John is the boss. Which isn't very far from reality. Right, right. <laughs> no, it, I, I, I am. Are we allowed to say that? I am. A, I didn't say it. No, this is, we don't right. have uh, 
FCC regulations. You can say whatever you want. I am the senior guy. Have known Chad and Michael for a long time. Mike is the smart guy. Um, so I do play the boss. This is John. I do play the boss on the I like, show. But I'd like to point out that I am both the smart guy and now I play on the TV. <laughs> but we all know who the real boss is. I'm Mike Meyer. Right, that's great. Mm-hmm. That's great. The history of cloud computing starts way back in the 1960s when an intergalactic computer network was first suggested. And in recent years, the technology has served to shake up both the enterprise IT and supplier landscape. Over the course of the past decade, cloud computing has evolved from being something service providers told companies they should be adopting to becoming the technological lifeblood that runs through many modern enterprises. So where did the cloud come from? Cloud computing has evolved through a number of phases that include grid and utility computing, application service provision, and software as a service. But the overarching concept of delivering computing resources through a global network is rooted in the 1960s. The idea of that intergalactic computer network was introduced by JCR Linklider, who was responsible for enabling the development of the Advanced Research Projects Agency Network, or ARPANET, in 1969. His vision was for everyone on the globe to be interconnected and accessing programs and data at any site from anywhere. Other experts attribute the cloud concept to computer scientist John McCarthy, who proposed the idea of computation being delivered as a public utility, similar to the service bureaus that date back to the 60s. What we think of as the cloud really came to fruition with the maturation of software technologies like x86 server virtualization with the rise of VMware, KVN, and Zen-based hypervisors. This allows for the isolation of server OS environments that enables efficient multi-tenancy, mitigating security threats, and enabling the resource pools we think of when we think of cloud. So how did the cloud come on so quickly? Well, like many market disruptions, it all had to do with money. Not necessarily saving money, but a different way of spending money for IT. Legacy software providers such as Microsoft, Oracle, and SAP have all made a concerted effort over the past decade to encourage users of their on-premise software offerings to upgrade to their cloud equivalents that they usually subscribe to on a pay-as-you-go basis. This, in turn, has seen IT departments gradually shift away from treating their software and hardware purchases as big bang capital expenditures that happen once every so often. As enterprises become increasingly accustomed to the pay-as-you-go cloud billing model, treating IT purchases as more of a day-to-day expense has become the norm. And where SaaS is concerned, there's still a lot of room for market growth. Another important milestone in the development of the cloud market as we know it today was the emergence of Amazon Web Services, or AWS, in 2002. The company provided a suite of cloud-based infrastructure services, including storage, computation, and even human intelligence through the Amazon Mechanical Turk. Then, in 2006, Amazon launched its Elastic Compute Cloud, or EC2, as a commercial web service that allows small companies and individuals to rent computers on which to run their own computer applications. Today, the firm is the undisputed leader of the infrastructure as a service, or the the IaaS market. 
The company continues to add thousands of new services and features to its cloud services portfolio each year and is a bona fide multi-billion dollar enterprise. According to figures published by IT analyst House Gartner in 2017, many enterprises now spend more than $5 million of their IT budgets on Amazon's cloud services every year. Cloud has also prompted a number of other service providers to tweak their product offerings and wider business strategies to account for the change in enterprise IT buying behavior. So what's next for the cloud? Well, in light of all this, it's fair to say that the next 10 years of cloud are likely to be just as eventful as enterprise appetites for the technology and their expectations about how it will benefit their organizations continue to grow. One major lesson that the cloud has taught the marketplace is that consumers of IT resources are no longer just in the IT shop alone. All parts of an organization can now log on, swipe their credit card, and deploy applications. That can get tricky for IT managers looking to mitigate risk and maintain some consistency of deliverables. But it also means that the interfaces of tomorrow have to look more like GoDaddy than VNX. We stopped by to visit one of our favorite Louisville tech matrons, Ruby Ann O'Brien, systems administrator with ClearPath Mutual, to talk about her perspective on the cloud, on the ground, so to speak. Let's hear what she has to say. This is Mike Meyer with the IT Shop Podcast, and I am interviewing Ruby Ann O'Brien. Uh, and Ruby Ann, would you tell me your uh, your your title, who you work for, and what you do around here? What's sure. your, what are your responsibilities? Um, I work for ClearPath Mutual, that was formerly Kessa, the workers' comp fund in here in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, I'm the systems administrator, which basically means I try to keep everything running for the users in the office to be able to do their job. Awesome. How long have you been uh, doing this? How long have you been in IT? Uh, Probably more than 25 years. I started off in insurance, and in the late 80s when computers came around, software just really clicked with me. And as time went on, um, they brought in a person to try to be our network administrator that had a financial background. Yeah. And she really didn't do that great of a job. And when she left, they came to me and were like, Ruby Ann, can you look at these resumes? Because we don't understand the language that right. they're saying. And I went home, talked to my husband, and he was like, Ruby Ann, you've been backing her up for years anyway. You might as well apply for it. So I kind of just fell into it and have done that ever since. And over all of that time, have you had uh, primarily the system administrator role, or have you changed around? How is how, is your, how have your responsibilities changed as you've gone through those different roles? Well, I still have the title systems administrator, but I really feel like I'm an overall IT manager because, you know, you got to keep the systems running for everyone, and I don't have the full technical knowledge of exactly how everything works, but you've got to have the understanding to know what needs to be addressed and how sure. to address things and have good vendor partners yeah. to keep that yeah. going forward. And... Again, I always feel like my main focus is whatever we do, we have to make sure that our users can do their job. And computers, they have to have computers. Yeah, perfect. You mentioned uh, the language, understanding the language, and a lot mm -hmm. of uh, what we're hoping to do with the IT shop, both with the show and with the podcast, is to take uh, some of that language that we take for granted in the space 
um, sometimes we shouldn't take it for granted, right? We take it for granted in the space, and we're, we're sort of speaking a foreign language, not just mm-hmm. to outsiders, uh, but one of the things that I've found in my career is that even w- within IT, when I talk about disaster recovery or when I talk about um, backup platforms or archiving platforms or any of those kind of niche components of the things we have to focus on, the very first thing that I have to do is make sure we're all speaking the same language, even within the space. Have you kind of run into that as well? Absolutely. I laugh and tell people I speak insurance and I speak computer because I have the strong insurance background, having worked in insurance for 20 years before Mm -hmm. I gravitated toward computers, and that's kind of why I'm where I'm at, at a company that is insurance, because I can talk to the users about what they're doing, but at the same time I can talk to our programmers or vendors about what we need on on the IT side. Sure. And I agree, it is a total different language. It is, and bridging that gap Mm -hmm. is an important thing. And part of, uh, with the IT shop, our first three episodes, uh, we really kind of focus on the cloud, right? We're, We're uh, on the show, we're, we're kind of doing a funny approach to the customer request for the cloud. Um, and with the podcasts, we want to dive in a little bit more into what the cloud means, how it can be implemented, um, what the variations are in the marketplace. And cloud is probably the worst of the terms, right, when we mm-hmm. talk about what does this mean. So uh, I guess I'll put you on the spot a little bit and ask you what, if you had to describe the cloud or tell me what the cloud is, what would you say that it is? Computers somewhere. (laughs) And I think that's what people lose sight of. Your data is still going to be on a computer somewhere. Whether you have your own private cloud where you know where your equipment is and you know your data is on your cloud Mm -hmm. or if you go public and i would have no idea what server it's on but it's going to be on a computer somewhere yeah i think a lot of folks lose uh, focus Mm -hmm. of that fact right it has to live somewhere and understanding where it lives uh, and then within that construct how is it managed how are Mm -hmm. the systems deployed etc that's all how is it secured yes right security is a big component to that Uh, but before we get into that um we kind of back up a little bit, and let's talk about IT and your career in IT in general. Uh, you talk about falling into the job, mm-hmm. and I think most of us uh, kind of fell into our positions in one way or another. Even if we had IT in mind, we ended mm-hmm. up slipping into whatever that niche is that we live in. If, if you had to talk to new folks, students out there who are mm-hmm. thinking about a career in IT, or uh, maybe even folks who aren't thinking about IT yet, What would you tell them? Uh, What would you tell them to focus on? What would you tell them about IT in general? Gosh, there's so many directions to go in IT. Um, I enjoy working with people, so Mm -hmm. I think that's why I like being in an office setting where I interact with people. I really like to train and show people the fun, cool stuff that computers can do. So there's a whole direction that way. Mm -hmm. If you're more technical-minded, Oh, my goodness, getting into servers or switches or, I mean, routers, everything. Yeah. But there's so much that you need to try to sample, I guess, and see what direction you really like and then focus on that because there's so many opportunities out there in IT for both guys and girls. Right, right. I kind of, when I'm talking to folks, I I kind of equate it to 
Uh, and this is true, I bet, of, of many, many fields, but one that I think we're all sort of tangentially familiar with is the, the medical field, mm-hmm. right? In IT, it's very similar. We have doctors, we have surgeons, we have mm-hmm. nurses, we have people who are responsible for various aspects. And from my perspective, understanding a little bit of everything, being that general practitioner is important before you start to focus in on the very specific thing that you're right. there to take care of. And that I seems agree. to be... Uh, kind of the the direction that I've given folks thinking about moving into the space. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you you obviously come from a background that a lot of uh, people you you mentioned. You know, when when computers became kind of at the forefront of um, the office era in the '80s, a lot of us came in. You know, after that, especially the latest generations coming up, and computers have been all around forever. Right. So you have a perspective on the past that a lot of us don't have. What does that look like when you look ahead over the next 25 years? What do you think that looks like oh, in gosh. this in this industry? The opportunities are endless. I mean, I'm thinking back. Um, I have sons that are now in their mid-30s, and I remember my oldest son in high school Actually, his teacher getting him up in front of the class to help show how to do Excel because the teacher had been a typing teacher, had not been a computer teacher. And he was up in front of the class in high school. Nowadays, the kids from the time they're in grade school or kindergarten probably have, you know, computers all around. So, yeah, the the computers are not going away. It's just part of life now. And... In the future, I cannot imagine. I mean, for me to think that my iPhone is a computer, right? that was unheard of. I mean, cell phones were these big, huge <laughs> the things big phones, that, right. yeah, they were crazy. And you don't see pay phones out on the street anymore. So changes throughout our life. It's not just the idea that it's computers. It's, you know, throughout everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my kids are home today, uh, and they have... Rather than having a day off that like we would have had when we were kids, they'll They're be working the from their computers, mm-hmm. uh, and it, it counts as a day right. of school. Well, and they were showing on the news just the other day. I think Amazon has opened, or, or opened or getting ready to open a grocery store. Mm-hmm. That there's no one there to check you out when right. you come in. You reach in, grab something off the shelf, and it ties it somehow. Yeah, to your Amazon account. Yes. Right. I'm watching that, and I'm thinking, man, I started out as a checker at Scotty's Market when I was a teenager, you know, and you had to do everything manual, and look yeah. at that. It makes you wonder. There's been a shift uh, because of technology, uh, because of IT. There's been a shift in the marketplace in general as to those low, what we would consider kind of entry-level jobs mm-hmm. have been easily automated yeah. these days, and that what Amazon's doing with their whole food stores to do that. Mm -hmm. Apple's done a little bit of that with their um, Apple stores where when you buy it, you can go in and pick it up more or less sight unseen. Um, You know, it makes you wonder what will happen to, uh, what will teenagers of the future be doing uh, when when those jobs aren't available. Mm -hmm. There's been a shift, I think, you talked about, you know, software being kind of the thing that captured your imagination Mm -hmm. early in the days. There's been a shift uh, in the... Uh, in the landscape of what we would consider heavy manufacturing jobs, those things that have been automated, even coal mining in the state of Kentucky and that sort of thing, which is going the way of automation, uh, where uh, coding schools have started popping up in those rural towns that were once, you know, everybody worked for the coal mine. 
so that they're trying to teach this new skill of coding. I, I'm, I'm skeptical of whether or not coding is right for, for everybody. It certainly has an assembly line style um, methodology to it in some respects, but in other respects it requires a type of thinking that as an infrastructure person I've never been you know, so good at. So I, I just wonder what that looks like and how well we will adapt mm-hmm. uh, to teaching other folks those things. Well, and part of it with coding, if you're talking programming, you still have to understand the business. Mm-hmm. So, again, that's where I talked about having insurance communication and computer communication abilities. You still have to get that programmer or coder to understand what you need as the end result. Right. You told me a story about uh, going to India Mm -hmm. um, to meet some coders and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Do you think that that's been one of the reasons for uh, the onshoring of uh, coding responsibilities? There for a while everything was being sent to places like India, do you think that's a reason why now largely it's being brought back or you're seeing project management happening more in the States because there's a connection missing between the coding, the coders themselves and the business outcomes they're trying to uh, to develop towards? I or? think so because um, you have to get that right personality in the programmer that mm-hmm. wants to learn and understand your business processes and what you need. Um, you can't have them just program things that they think you need. They have to be able to understand, and that, that mm-hmm. is kind of hard to get that across. Yeah. You've talked a lot about uh, understanding the business, the importance of knowing what IT is supporting as a support mm-hmm. function in most organizations, understanding the business that it's there to support. Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, how you how you learned that, how, you, how what that has looked like in your career in IT, because I think a lot of folks miss that point. Right. Um, well, for me, I think I've always felt like I was in their shoes. When I was an account manager mm-hmm. in a large insurance agency, I was in their shoes. I had to meet those deadlines for getting renewal quotes out and getting policies issued. So now that we've moved more to computers and things, they have to have the printers working right, and their computer has to be working right. We've, you know, run into things like, you know, someone says, oh, I can't print. Well, I can't just ignore that. Mm-hmm. I have to get there and get it fixed because they have to be able to do their job. Right. And I think sometimes some IT people miss that connection. Yeah, I agree with you. I think a lot of IT people miss the mm-hmm. connection between the bits and bytes and the business that, uh, that right. they're there to support, even at a larger level with what you do at the data center, right? It's driven by mm-hmm. not just the desktop side of making sure that, you know, one person can access their applications, but decisions that you've made on the back mm-hmm. infrastructure side, the, you know, kind right. of the more complex side, have, have to do with that as well. Absolutely. Businesses. We've got to keep our computer, our servers up and running so that we can access them. Even if our office goes down, we can access things remotely to still continue to get work done. Right, right. Because we have insureds out there, and we, we're a workers' comp company, so we have injured employees, and they need to get their check. I mean, for right. some injured people, that check is their income. So we really feel how important it is to get be able to be in business at all times. That's, so let's use that as a, a, a way to get back into this discussion of the cloud. Mm-hmm. You talked about the cloud being uh, computers somewhere, right? We said that um, wherever they are, the, the management methodologies behind that, if the data center that those computers live in, 
um, and all the associated applications and that sort of thing drive certain business outcomes. Uh, so when, when you're considering, and I know you guys have, have looked at different cloud applications or different cloud services over, over time, what are the things that you're looking for uh, when you're thinking about the cloud? Well, I think one thing for me is knowing that we can access our data at any time. Mm -hmm. um, that's a lot of why we moved our servers and everything to a data center, and we do have our own private cloud for our main network things. But there are some aspects. A couple of our accounting programs are in the cloud with whatever whoever that vendor is. Mm -hmm. But we do request documentation um, to be sure that they are following proper guidelines, um, right. you know, compliance for security standards, compliance security standards, standards. correct. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's a big thing, but even that, as we know with things we hear on the news, even that is not totally secure, and that's very worrisome. Sure. Would you say that um, security is the biggest challenge that you guys face in, in adopting the cloud? Are there more practical things that also come into Come into play, and when I when I say practical, I mean things like uh, access to data or the migration of data from one place to another, mm -hmm. or things of that nature. What, right. Talk to me about kind of the, the whole scope of well, what has to be Well, I think security is a big thing. I mean, a big thing to me um, with you know crypto lockers, ransomware, viruses, um, and hacking and all of that. But at the same time, um, I want to know that. Like right now with having our own private cloud, we can stand up a new server immediately sure. if we need it. Because sure. you never know. Um, and if I had to go to a vendor who was my cloud provider and put in a request, and if it took you know, two or three days to get something accomplished, uh, that, that has always kind of made me wonder if that would be the way we want to go. Mm -hmm. And then I've always heard if, if we decide to go to a different cloud provider, it's not always easy to get your data from the one True. that has it. True. And I, hearing those stories, I, I didn't like the sound of that. So your decisions against cloud providers have largely been based upon, would you call it control, having more control over your Probably. environment? Yes, I, I do, and that may come to an end one day because sure. as the cloud becomes even more and more vendor-oriented or whatever word you want to use, we may be forced to go that way. Mm -hmm. But I do, yes, for us right now, it's been more of a control thing that we know we know where our data is and we know we can move it to a different server if we need to. Sure. You talked about uh, being able to add additional virtual machines if you mm -hmm. need them and that sort of thing. One of the major arguments in favor of uh, cloud infrastructure is that from a user's perspective or from a consumer's perspective, uh, there's infinite resources behind you. So if you were in a situation where you had uh, fast and unpredictable growth mm -hmm. um, from a storage or from a server perspective, you would have access to resources on demand. I, I, it sounds like in the situation that you guys are in, that, that kind of growth is maybe unpredictable, but not, it doesn't consume all of the resources you have available to you or you're able to right. plan ahead for Yes, enough. and we have planning ahead has been a big part of what we've done. Mm -hmm. And, again, that takes financial stability and upper management that understands and agrees sure. with you because um, a lot of time from the IT perspective, getting upper management to buy in to what 
you know you want to do is sometimes a little difficult. Yeah. But we've been very fortunate here that our upper management is very in tune to IT. That's good. And so yes, we've together made the decision that we wanted to stay more in control of things. Sure. We've talked to different folks uh, in the past who have had some challenges communicating with upper management about the particulars you know with what systems require or what um, what you're trying to do in developing mm -hmm. out new systems or planning for the future and that obviously comes with there's capital considerations associated with that there's operational costs associated with that uh, but really it kind of goes back to what we where we started with the language you know can you tell us a little bit about how you um, how you interact with upper management to make sure that they stay on track with you, that they understand what you're doing? Well, luckily, our CEO right now is very uh, technology savvy, mm -hmm. and he likes technology, and he likes to be on the cutting edge. Um, not that we are really out there, but um, when we started talking to him about, about virtual servers, when all of that came about, it wasn't a hard sell once he got past the initial, like, where is it? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, so... Um, I think that has been a big plus for us here at, at ClearPath now um, because when you have a CEO that at least embraces and tries to understand technology, mm -hmm. that helps a lot. Having to do a hard sell and try to convince, um, I can't imagine that would be tough, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. All right, is there, as we wrap up, is there anything that we haven't covered that you want to make sure that folks who are listening or watching the show, anything you want to communicate with them? Um, just, you know, when you're in school, learn as much as you can, and there's so many opportunities out there with companies with IT, and it, through all aspects, I, I don't know how to explain it, but if I was a younger person, I know I would gravitate more toward the educational side of things, because I really enjoy seeing people get excited when things work and they understand things. But um, there's just a lot of opportunities. Yes. Well, thank you, Ruby, and we really appreciate your time and uh, look forward to talking with you in the future. Okay. You're welcome. And a lot of why are we seeing yeah. there's so much marketing and branding towards moving your business to the cloud. It's crazy. It's And Google Cloud was the um, lead sponsor of the NCAA tournament. I saw that. And why? So you have that, and then the, the Major League Baseball playoffs, you have um, AWS is, is a big sponsor because the analytics, the uh, what do you call it, the uh, in the baseball, they, they have metrics and things around how fast the ball comes off the bat, how fast that center fielder went from right field to 30 feet away. He was running at 10 miles an hour. They've I get got the all data. these things, and it's all powered by the AWS cloud. But, but you're sitting there, and if you're— It's a swappy, I think. If you're a business owner— oh, sure if you're a business owner, though, and you're watching basketball because you love basketball and you're seeing these ads, uh, if you're the C level of anything or, or a business owner of Bob's Bait Shop, what's, what's the messaging that compels you to then act? And then what do you do? I think most of those ads, and obviously I'm not a sports ball guy, but most of those ads um, I've noticed aren't to have, there's no call to action. They're all brand awareness ads. Because they have so much money, they can just flood them. Right? Well, I, mean, just I honestly think it's that, partly that at least, where you've got these legacy organizations like HP, like IBM, where they've been spending money for the consumer market for a long, long time. 
Right. I mean, it, it still was in fairly recent memory that IBM spun off Lenovo. And with the rise of Watson, I mean, the future of IBM seems to be a software company. Mm-hmm. And it's all about AI with with the Watson initiative. And so, I mean, what is, what's the call to action for Watson with, with a business owner today? If you're not already engaging with softwares that are interacting with Watson, which you may not even know. From an AI standpoint? Yeah, from an AI standpoint. You, you know. So anyway, that... To me, it's it's partially because they've got a legacy of spending money on advertising like that. But partially, it's brand awareness. Because I, I haven't seen them. It's not like the Barracuda Firewall commercials, right? Right. That are on the that are on the radio They're all the time. All over, yeah. Right. But and and I've always wondered how is that a successful right. approach to business to business sales? But obviously, it's working for. Well, well Chad Barracuda. touched on something a moment ago in regards to the sea levels. Um, you know. I, are sea levels predominantly sports fans? I don't know, but I guess from the competitive aspect, a lot of sea levels are very competitive. Therefore, maybe they had that competitive drive from the sports. Or I, I wouldn't tie it just to sea levels. I think people in general are. They know, for, like the, I, um, we're decision makers, for example. They may not know the first thing about cloud, but guess what? They're watching the NCAA tournament and Google Cloud's all over the place. So does he come after su- watching Sunday Masters because they were huge in the Masters Sunday? Comes back to his office on Monday, and you know how some C-levels work or business owners, and said, all right, bring my IT shop in. All right, get me the cloud. Tell me about yeah. the cloud team. What do they do? Who do they reach out hey, to? You're not, see- you're not seeing Google putting stuff in front of the cricket tournament that's on at 2 in the morning. Right. Um, what are these guys sure. watching? Guys and ladies watching. So what, what happens if that happens? What if a C level from a mid, you know, a small to mid business here in Louisville, you know, C level comes down and says, "All right, give me some information on the cloud." AWS, I see AWS, I see Google, I see, I know some other places. Bring me something. But yeah. that's, tell that's me about not, that. That's not anything new. That's been going on for a long time. Only and yeah. But let, part, let me just let me answer the question. So, I think. You asked the question specifically to small and mid-sized businesses, but let's kind of broaden the picture and address each level. So you've got in, say, the smallest of businesses, the owner might be asking that question of a partner, um, like what we would, like what we did on the show, right, where you've got the customers asking the question of their IT partner. Um, in the mid-sized business, maybe you've got the owner asking the question of a smallish kind of IT shop, maybe mm-hmm. one or two people. And then as you grow, right, there there begins to, like with all businesses, you start to get directors and vice presidents and stuff in between the C-level and the folks that are turning the gears in the IT shop. And so for each of those, I think that conversation looks different, although I would agree that a lot of times uh, it starts with the CEO, the COO, or the CFO asking a question, what are we doing about these initiatives and how can it benefit me? Um, I think it rarely comes, although we've been in situations recently where we've seen it happening this way, I think it rarely comes from the bottom up. Right. And I, I think, agree. you know, I think the, the adage of the C-level being sort of the change agent or whatever in the organization is, is appropriate here, where at the bottom, you know, you're really, you're fighting fires, you're trying to make the most of what you have. Maintain. Yeah, keep, <laughs> right, exactly, keep sanity. Right. Is most of what the guys turning the wrenches and kind of overseeing the IT shop are doing. It's when you start to get into those project people, you know, the director or vice president, depending upon how the organization is set up, 
those project people are starting to look. I'll tell you that where the cloud is making sense is candidly outside of the IT organization. Um, You're talking about more of the so, SaaS-oriented applications or the marketing, marketing department? Marketing, digital, yeah, yeah, digital. I do, yeah. The, the change that's CRMs. happening that people in our shoes have been less prepared for and didn't really anticipate, I think, is the the change that seems to have been driven most by the hyperscales of the world, the, the Google Clouds, AWS, and so forth, is that it is now easier for anyone to consume IT resources. Um, you know, we've been talking about AWS and Google and that sort of thing. A great example of this, though, would be like GoDaddy, right? GoDaddy has made it very easy for anybody to stand up a website, to set up the applications, to put SSL certs and so forth on those websites. And that's just, you know, it's, it's kind of a smallish example of it. But it's that's... about GoDaddy. <laughs> that, well, but I mean, yeah. in terms of the scope of yeah. what I'm talking about... Where you've got somebody within an organization that says, in marketing, somebody mentioned marketing. It's a good example. Somebody in marketing says, you know what? I need to stand up a landing page for this ad I'm going to run. And I'm not going to IT to do that for me. I'm going to go to GoDaddy real quick. I'm going to register the URL. I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to go through all of this stuff and even set up the website based upon a template and include in that template all of the Google Analytics and all these things that they can pull back. How do they know where to go? I mean... If, if they're yeah, not they make it that easy. They make it that easy for non-IT people. Yeah, to that's go right. And do it's that. simplified for non-IT, and the reason they know how to go there is because of Danica Patrick. <laughs> right? You know, I mean, you know, back to your sports ball, right? Sports back balls. to the sports yeah. ball. <laughs> well, on that note, so what we're seeing, you know, the cloud isn't new. It's been around for a while now. Um, you're, you're seeing uh, everybody went to the cloud. Now they're starting to bring some applications back uh, from the cloud. It isn't always what it seems. But to add to that that easy factor, what you're seeing now is hardware providers beginning to create hardware to have on-prem for users to have that same type of experience, however, not be in the cloud, but be on the prem. But they, hey, the marketing department needs to spin up a, a server. Guess what? The IT department has given them resources and a dashboard that looks just like yeah, just like the just like the GoDaddies and the AWSs and the Azures of the world to, to be able to accomplish that. That's right, and I think that's a result of the that change that that unpredicted change, right? That change to the consumer. Um, you know, I think most private cloud, non hyperscale cloud providers are selling to the folks who are in the infrastructure team, right? And so that sale Absolutely. looks very much like. This infrastructure is just like yours, but better. Uh, the management interface looks just like yours, you know, but but better or easier in these handful of ways. Or you don't have to worry about these things that you have to worry about in your space. And yet the feel, the look, feel, and experience should be roughly the same, right? That's kind of the sale to the infrastructure guys because of what we talked about earlier. Those guys turning the wrenches are the status quo guys. Mm-hmm. But outside of those guys, they're buying a simplified interface. And so you start to detach that concept of simplified interface or cloudified interface from the cloud, and you can move it anywhere. Is there a fear from those guys that they were the ones that knew the code, the key, the language, and now it's so universal that always marginalized? That's always been the case. Is it? I think especially um, you see this, at least in my experience, a handful of different ways, but normally the IT guy in that interaction with the CEO or CFO that you talked about Unfortunately, uh, they play this game 
um, or at least you know in the, in the old days maybe more so than now they played this game of uh, using jargon yeah over complicating things acronyms acronyms yeah make, make it to justify my job right make my it, smartness let me show you how important I am yeah. to your organization was kind of the game that was being played there and I think you know from our experience um, the cloud was kind of scary in that respect because it was it was even scarier than than using like an outsourced IT shop going you know like on the show going to a to a team of folks that could help out. It was even scarier than that because the team in, in the in the new world uh, included all of the infrastructure, the keys to all of the kingdom, right? If you were going to cloud, you, you couldn't even hug your server, you know, kiss it goodnight. Yeah. And that was, uh, that's scary. It was comfort and bleak. And that's what paid the bills. And when that's not there, and, and it's, it's human nature to have some type of, hey, my, <laughs> the reason that I'm here isn't here anymore right. so what what about job security right the flip side of that is the oversimplification of things and that's why i think as john was talking about you see these applications being moved back in-house is because there was a swing of the pendulum a little bit too far oversimplifying cloud and cloud only as the solution um you know candidly a lot of the the smart guys are still needed to understand how that how that stuff works. How does it talk to each other? What are the what are the ways to properly secure this? What are the ways to properly manage this? Um, and what does that look like holistically? And so, you know, I've been kind of talking about for a while, and I think this is part of this. You see this rise of the generalist in IT, the guy who kind of understands just about everything. Maybe not at the depth. Of rise of the generalist. That's the next episode, gentlemen. <laughs> episode actually, generalist. episode four is already taken. Uh, stay tuned for that. But episode five is <laughs> rise, rise of the, the generalist. generalist. Yeah, I don't know if we're going to jump that far ahead on on the writing. Uh, maybe. <laughs> well, given that <laughs> I'm not, given that I'm not the writer, I'm just the visionary. And Mike we'll is the writer. We'll, we'll let him. We'll let him deal with that. But you're we'll saying somebody it. who's good at uh, all things, but maybe not. You know, because in a lot of lot of customers that I work with, you got guys that are you know strictly storage or strictly virtual. You're saying that the ones that are having success are the are ones, ones that, that can kind of touch it all, right? Yeah, even the, I would I would venture a guess that the guys that you're working with that are strictly storage or strictly virtualization, those are two good examples where these days you don't provision much storage outside of your hypervisor, right? And within the hypervisor, you're managing storage, you're managing networking, you're managing a variety of things. And so, you know, in the old days, sort of, and this is, a, I think, a result of virtualization, which, of course, led to kind of the dominance of cloud today. Uh, you, had to, you had to speak a lingo within the hypervisor that you didn't have to speak if you were just the storage guy. Right. Um, and that, that started this change where folks had to have a working knowledge, not a specialist level knowledge, but a working knowledge of much more. Uh, than they needed to in the in the specialist days. Well, guys, the clouds are around just six, seven longer, right? But you know, in mainstream society, we're coming up on six, seven years where it's really been you know top of mind for a lot of people. Where do where do we see it going in the next six to seven years? Oh, I see it just getting huge. I'm uh, talking huge. Much cloudier. And this, this, so huge. this is radio. Clouds. This is a podcast, but if you can see Chad right now, the smoke is coming out of his ears. I'm talking like the biggest clouds you've ever seen. Well, I, I think it's interesting because I, you know, talking about current customers and conversations we have every day, I, I actually have a couple of uh, more recent cases where people are pulling applications 
of the cloud. So I, you know, I think there's a stock that's just going to take over 100 percent and you know dominate you know fully. But I, I don't know. I, I have conversations fairly frequently that yeah. well, working for a cloud provider like you guys are. What are some of the challenges they're faced with bringing those applications back in house? <laughs> well, I mean, welcome to the Hotel California. Once <laughs> you come in, you can't leave. So, so is, that, is that the biggest challenge? That's the biggest one. We've awesome. I guess all these, this, 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 I don't know if it's an urban legend now, but there's a lot of people that are confirming this urban legend that there are there are multiple updates and multiple interfaces that are changing within their environment that make that kind of continue to build, put another lock and another lock and another lock on their infrastructure to where by the end, no one has a key and they need an incredible amount of management, incredible amount of guidance just to manipulate their infrastructure. And they, these things happen without on a managed service level without them, without you know, the engagement. And, and kudos to the... the yeah. The AWSs and the Azures of the world for for creating that type of environment. Guess what? When you go in there and you start building things, come on and join us. It's, it doesn't cost that much, yeah, right? Nickel to get in. And before you know it, the environment is so large that to get that data out of there, the bandwidth costs alone make it cost yeah. prohibitive, and it's just a pain to make that happen. So what do you do? You keep going. And, and, yes. time, and, and not everything is built for that, right? Not yeah. not every application is built for hyperscale. So they need to they need to have the guidance to understand what is. What are the applications that are necessary in the hypervisor? What are the necessary applications and certain that tr- I know it's a cliche term, but that hybrid IT model, it is a fact. What is needed where and how to have that guidance to put it somewhere? That's what we push. We, we, we don't go head-to-head with those guys. No. I mean, obviously, we, we hear their names every day. You know, uh, We understand that a lot of our customers are, are there, but Chad just hit it. I mean, certain applications run uh, perfectly fine there, but we, you know, we we push our cloud product as well. So are you are you seeing with the cloud models that it's a race to zero? Is it more of a cost play, or are they? Uh, uh, what are your all's experiences around that? And, and going along the bandwidth model, right? It wasn't too long ago where bandwidth was extremely expensive. A T one was wonderful. I mean, I got one and a half megs of bandwidth coming, and it's going to cost me two thousand dollars a month. That's great. Well, now you're getting gig for a nickel. Uh, a tremendous amount more for a tremendous amount less, and and that's going in, in tune with all the different resources. I, yeah, I, you guys have been speaking from the uh, kind of from the business perspective of why folks uh, can't get out. The idea that you know uh, there's a cost associated with with getting out that maybe wasn't there with getting in. Um, from a technology standpoint, it's a little bit different. Um, I, I think. And, John, you you brought up the bandwidth idea. I want to kind of expound on that a little bit. Bandwidth has is one of those things where uh, you get more of it for less over time, right? But it it hasn't – you know, I'm sure if there was a guy sitting here from one of the telcos, they would would argue this. But with the exception of maybe SD-WAN, it hasn't really changed. Right, a, a megabit is a megabit is a megabit. You're getting more of it. Um, you're getting better throughput. You're getting you know less performance issues. Um, latencies may be improving, but but it's not fundamentally different. Uh, and the, the price obviously has gone down. So it's it's sort of being treated like a commodity in the marketplace in that way, as. You know, as the supply rises, the the cost drops. And so I think, though, the server world, which is what we typically see with cloud, is different than that. Um, We originally thought of the hyperscalers, even the word, right, hyperscaler sort of implies that it's a... It's a growth mechanism. There's a, there's an infinite number of the same kind of resources. 
Um, and therefore, the idea should roughly be the same. If there's, if there's so much availability of server resources, the price should go down. But it's not a commodity the way that bandwidth is. Every server really looks different. Uh, and even under that, um, I think the, the biggest change that's coming because of cloud is the rise of serverless computing. The idea that it is 100% software brokered. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's <clears throat> that's something that will make the on-prem solution look very different than just a server in the cloud or a server at my place, right? Those two servers might look exactly the same today. In the future, the cloud server is going to look very different than the one that you deploy locally. Interesting. And that's, that's already taking place, by the way. When you guys talk about... Uh, this idea of you know new interfaces, new dashboards, new tools locking in. Um, their their applications being written in the cloud, the cloud-born applications that are being written in this serverless computing world. It's kind of well, the, those software partners, or those software developers, are partners with the cloud providers, right? Partners with and customers of customers of it. Yeah, that's yeah, what I'm saying. Right. So there's they're eliminating some of the. The middle end of the need, right? Yeah, correct. Well, what we're seeing, so does this kind of go with your, your statement around in the cloud world, if you've got different applications and need different resources at different times of the day, you can now reallocate accordingly in the cloud environment, and you're starting to see the same thing on the hardware side. So the question is, is cloud driving advancements on the hardware side on-prem? To emulate... It's, to, it is. It's driving changes to the way that on-prem hardware is... Is built, managed, and deployed for a, in a good way because it's helping to leverage those resources in a, in a more efficient manner, both in the cloud as well as on site. In a non-traditional way, too. Yeah, I think the the behemoths of the marketplace, um, the Dells and and HPs and IBMs and so forth, that built this um, this server model of computing uh, that's changing. Mm-hmm. Right, the disaggregation of those resources is starting to happen even in on-prem. And it all started with virtualization. <clears throat> when do you see that, Mike, uh, becoming? I mean, you said it's already started, but when, you know, when when will it be? Um, oh, it's here. Yeah, I mean, serverless. It's, it's, it started now. I, I, you know, it'll be interesting More to see how quickly it's adopted. Yeah. Um, most of in the cloud world, you know, you've got this sort of aging of legacy stuff, and so uh, I think it will be. It won't be like tomorrow. We're not going to wake up and find out that this has happened all of a sudden. The financial interests that you guys talked about are just as true, right? Businesses were built, uh, and, and, and lots of money has been made on the server-based computing model, um, both both by the, the Michael Dells of the world as well as all the software guys, right? You know, they the backbone of what they do is is a what is increasingly becoming a legacy model, and so I think. Um, I think you've got a lot of those business interests that will continue to to say that the future is going to be hybrid and that hybrid you know world is going to look like the traditional plus the new. Uh, but I but I do think you know 10, 15 years from now when the softwares have been updated, um, when new softwares have usurped old softwares, uh, and they they are designed for this disaggregated, cloudified world. When computing is no longer limited to the uh, server chassis, um, I, I think that's 
I think that's probably you know, 10, 15 years old. Not do, that far. Do you know of any big dogs right now from an application standpoint that are already working that that we don't really maybe know? Yeah, you, you probably use it every day. Uh, Netflix yeah. is a great example Perfect. of somebody who's in yep. the serverless computing there world. But that's what they're written for. They were born in the cloud. Yep. Uh, at least the current model of Netflix that we know. So they're in the matrix. I mean, they were born inside of the matrix. <laughs> they were. They, they, and they don't even know it. Right. They, Actually, it probably started before. They were born inside. The grid. <laughs> the grid. Uh, all right, check out. Your if you're not a nerd right now, you can check out for about a minute while they, while they, they talk. <laughs> movies? What do you mean, nerd oh, movies? Oh, no, 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 no. Movies are one thing. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> but nerd movies are taken to a whole The Matrix level. is wait. a nerd movie? Oh, Michael, you're a nerd. Michael, have, Michael, have you seen <laughs> The Matrix? Keanu Reeves, right? Oh. Yeah. I've I've seen clips. And Patrick Swayze. <laughs> no, he was already Yeah, passed on. Oh, was that oh point break. I'm have sorry, I get confused. Have you seen Tron? Basically the same movie, by the way. Negative. Yeah. <laughs> Tron! What about the sequel? Yeah, Tron Legacy. What about Tron? It's almost better. Tron 2 Electric Boogaloo? Whoa. Seen that one? Shut your mouth, son. Yeah, you have it. Almost better. Why right. am I here, basically? Um, uh, <laughs> if I haven't seen any of that vice president. All right, we got a little, little backstory. A little backstory on Michael. He has is challenged when it comes to the cinema, um, yeah, and, and just watching it. Period. So, <laughs> just watching it. Uh, his his uh, recollection of movies is pretty non-existent because he hasn't seen a lot of them. <laughs> a lot of kid movies there, right? A lot of kid movies. Oh, absolutely. That Moana's a she has a good one. Yeah, 112 times. <laughs> Sing, uh, leap. Are you gonna go see the new solo movie coming out? What is that? Oh my god! <laughs> solo. We we're trying to gain listeners, not, not lose them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this sorry. is a technology podcast. Come on. All right. At least lie to us and say you watch Star Wars. Know your demographic, Clark. <laughs> I've seen episode four. Or the, is that the first one, right? Oh my goodness! No, I can't even. No, you pissed off everybody. <laughs> you just every listener has just punched their listening device. Uh, so I, for those of you that are listening, please uh, comment and let us know what movies Michael should watch. Wow! Uh, and we'll we get a, a list. Compile a list. Yeah. Top ten, and then we'll have to do a top ten, and then we'll have to chain him to a chair and make him watch these. Or the next time I get mono, I'll just. Uh, <laughs> oh my goodness gracious! It right. just turns out. So sometimes, sometimes we got to circle back. Um, over the day, hey Mike, this is not the John show. All right, let me I'll, ask you a question. Uh, but that's what I say. I will, let me ask you a question. I will edit that out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I miss this. I miss this. You guys uh, that are Michael and Chad talking cloud most days these days, right? I mean, is that is that part of your your daily parlance still? It is, yeah. I, you know, but again, a number of our customers are in either just the cloud or they, they're in a, that true hybrid model or maybe that's where they want to move. So, yeah, I mean, it, it is a daily part of our conversation, no doubt, um, whether it's, you know, from a disaster recovery standpoint or just moving their production environment. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna actually contradict that statement a little bit. I know yeah, we work sure. for the same company. We share we, the same office yeah. space. But I have so many more conversations about co-location. I really do. I mean, it's a lot. There is a misconception, I think, about everyone is going to the cloud. Everyone is going to the cloud, right? And we met, we, the IT shop, was that was the theme of our first season, was everybody's going to the cloud. In all actuality, I don't think they are. I don't think they are. I think 
hardware and managed servers and co-location is still a strong, strong yeah. avenue for a lot of larger organizations and enterprises. What's the messaging I, you're I hearing behind that? Why is that, Chad? I, it, that's a great question. Um, I think there are teams that that understand and want to keep the CapEx model and want to continue to manage their devices, physical devices. They don't see any benefits to the cloud from their perspective. Yeah. They, they have explored it. They, they maybe have DevOps. They maybe have some need for it uh, in, a, in a different area of their business, but their core infrastructure, their uh, mission-critical applications are required to run in their eyes in a co-location environment. I think that gives them the lean forward strategy. Lean in. Lean in. Lean in. Lean in. No, I agree with you. I think that probably speaks more to maybe our difference in, you know, Chad and I work with a number of accounts, you know, locally and, and outside of here. So, we, you know, I think it's just probably the diversity of our client base. But I, I do, I've got, I mean, 20 of my 30 accounts probably have some form of cloud presence, whether it's with us or, or one of the, the big boys, so to speak. So, uh, I, I, maybe I'm having that conversation more, but I'm, I'm, I agree with you on the colo piece as well. So. The, uh, when they're when they're shopping colo these days, what are the things that they're looking to buy? What is the what's the core of colocation that they're buying? Are they buying the the uptime? Are they buying the facility? You know, just the advantages of the facility? Are they buying the network? What are they buying? security? They're buying yeah. the network. They're they're buying just, the, the the uptime. I mean, the uptime I think is the driver. They just you know the five nines of, of availability that are necessary. And, yeah, and, and, and just removing that from their plate. I, I've got a number of customers again who are who are either road mapping this now or in the process of moving their on-prem production data center to to us uh, they, they don't they want to focus on their core business whether it's healthcare or you know financial uh, they, they just don't want that in in the building yeah so well i mean and correct me if i'm wrong but that's a strong play for a youtube gentleman right selling the the boxes the storage boxes in the co-location that is your that is your main focus not is that correct yeah a big part of it given our knowledge of the uh, the redundancies and, and the value that a co-location provider can can bring uh, yeah i mean we love to sell hardware into colo facilities all day long however we've always had that approach of you know does it really bring value at times? And sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes that the need for redundancy isn't there and they can operate with, with one circuit or without a generator. But sometimes it is a good fit. Right. But more often than not, it's a financial play. It's interesting. So all of the discussion about cloud was led by this idea of the way people buy. Right. You guys mentioned in a, in a colo initiative, people still want to buy their their infrastructure for the most part in, in a capital expenditure model. Yep. Um, but even co-location is an operational expenditure, right? <clears throat> There's some recognition sure. that. Sure. And so, do you see that as the tip of the spear? Is that people holding on to an idea um, where the servers and the rest of the infrastructure will eventually get sucked into this kind of ongoing operational expense? Do you think it's a transitional period? Do you understand what I'm asking? Yeah. Like, are we in that place where they're willing to bite off a little bit of additional operational costs because it takes things off their plate, right. like Michael said? But they're not ready to bite off the rest of the infrastructure in that way for a variety of business reasons and probably some personal reasons related to the staff that would make such a recommendation. Sure. Uh, 
but you know, I, are we in the middle the middle time where the future time will be one of almost entirely uh, operationalizing? No, I, I, no, I think that we are in a, a period of flux where maybe four or five years ago there was a mad rush for cloud, and now there's trying to be a, a settlement settlement of understanding of what works where and what's what's the most oppor- opportune level of IT um, I'm, I'm not making up words so let's edit that out but there's a level of I'm not editing that that, that was awesome <laughs> this but, you is know, real, like, just, a, just an understanding of what is, what is the what is necessary for my business infrastructure right yeah. is there certain portions that are good for hyperscale yes and I've, I have found that out is there a certain portion for you know private cloud opportunities or co-location and it's starting to settle in that world so I think that where maybe we're dealing with the people that are using our co-location for a certain amount of of infrastructure Mm -hmm. it's just a piece it's just a play of their total and they are becoming um, you know quite Hybrid. I don't know what else to say yeah, about it. Know, it's, it's a buzzword, but we, you know? yeah, it absolutely is. So they, 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 they're now being, you know, they settled into this infrastructure that's, that we're a piece of. Yep. So if I threw out the word complexity, what does that say to you guys related to the concerns people are buying about the, the issues they're trying to solve? Are they adding complexity? Are they reducing complexity? What's the... What, is it, what does that say to you? Maybe it's an assumption. I, I would think that a lot of the folks I deal with are trying to make things easier, right? I mean, I um, kind of remove that complexity. I, I don't know if you have thoughts on that, but, I mean, what? I, we can edit this, apparently, because we're... <laughs> also not editing. Because <laughs> we've, no, re- we've think, reached an impasse. Um, I think they're reducing complexity. I have to agree yeah. with you, Michael. Yeah, I think there's, I mean, a, there, there's always a need to to find the most efficient way, right. cost effective, cost and yeah. efficient, what way. works, what you know their team can handle. But then let's what. circle all the way back to the start of this whole conversation. The same people that are doing that are they the same people that are finding efficiencies to then make themselves obsolete inside their own you know in their yeah, own good point. Yeah, I think that's operation. The, that's always the fear, right? But uh, just from my long time in the business uh, turn it on, on the side of turning a wrench and on the side of getting to see kind of the, the business angle as well that's that's what you're doing every day right every time you every time you put out a fire and you do it in such a way that you put that fire out for good right you put out the source of that fire that's really what you're aiming for is and that's human nature too right I want to get to a place where in my job um, if I'm I'm managing an infrastructure. I want to get to a place where I'm not so busy managing it, right. day, where it's managing itself, or it's been you know the, the wheels have been set in motion where uh, it's going to over you know overcome or continue through uh, any of those minor hiccups that maybe at one point caused a total outage. You know, innovation is going to drive efficiency, and if efficiency is going from five FTEs to four because the environment's easier to manage. You know, unfortunately, or fortunately, that, that's just the way it is. And uh, for those that, I mean, whether you're on an assembly line or in an IT shop, um, if you're not willing to adapt and adjust and learn a new skill set or be open to new ways, 
you're going to get passed by. So it's just, it's just yeah. business in general, whether it's IT oriented or marketing or uh, manual labor. You got to adapt and adjust because if you don't, you'll get passed by. Strong point there, John. You ain't, you ain't first or last, I believe. Is the, I have, yeah, Bobby I have seen that movie. <laughs> You've only seen um, the TBS version. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you're probably right. Daytime, daytime cable. Right yeah. TBS version. <laughs> All right, so let's let's go down this list. Mike, top five movies ever. Michael, not Mike, because Mike yeah, would go up with the nerd man. land. Take me a while. Braveheart. All right, all right. Saving Private Ryan. All right, two good ones. Hoosiers, Field of Dreams, and... Did I say Braveheart? What about Rudy? You can like Braveheart. I, I do I love Rudy. I like Braveheart twice, but yeah. I love Rudy. <laughs> um, I still I still choke up a little bit when Rudy opens the letter and Everybody finds out. Does. You know. Everybody um, does. That's the, that's the magic of that movie. It's, you, get, it's it's, you know what's coming. Yeah. And so you get the tissues. You're not. It's not like you know what's coming, and you're, so therefore you're not going to cry. You know what's coming, so you load up on tissues. Absolutely. So yeah, you know, more sports ball movie oriented, I, I guess, but also the I, Saving Private Ryan's probably the sports my favorite. Given all those it's came out true. 15, 20 years ago, what do you got in the last five years? <laughs> um, oh, we already covered Moana. <laughs> oh goodness, I Harold and Kumar. What's the Kumar? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't even seen that. I just, I'm totally Oh my god! <laughs> we can't make this stuff up, folks. This is, this is, the, is, this is a, Michael. Is there a Pet of the Pink movie? Maybe that you could. No, that's just a show. They, in yeah. fact, that's a good idea, though. They could probably. Do you hear? Uh, are you listening to this Nickelodeon? That's a great idea. But maybe <laughs> PJ, PJ Masks, um, <laughs> Paw Patrol, possibly. Yeah, that's, that's more by. Well, what about what about a live action Paw Patrol? I think that's needs to happen. Paw Patrol on Ice is really Paw Patrol on Ice. Well, we. Uh, we did see Paw Patrol live actually in uh, February, so yeah, we've been there, done that. Well, the new Avengers is coming out, so maybe there's hope for you to go grab the wife and go see a movie, or grab one of your buddies. <laughs> All right, one last thing on the on the IT show. So next, the next series. I don't think we can call them seasons. I want to do the British thing and call them series. Oh, okay, that's because cool. So we've concluded series you, or series one, right? Series one is done, right? It's episode one, two, and three. Series what? two series will be two. four, five, and six. So we kind of why can't we call them trilogies? Because series is more uppity. What is Star Wars called their first? What is Star Wars called their first three? He likes Downton. A saga. massive stroke of luck. Yeah. Uh. Um, <clears throat> so yes. four, five, and six. What? So four, five, and six. And you guys mentioned this disaster recovery that right, comes up in the cloud discussion. So it seemed All like yeah. seemed like the natural next place to go because if uh, if there's anything folks have to talk about in IT these days, it's cloud and disaster recovery. A big hole in the ground coming soon. Edge. Smoking a hole. But it's yeah. not quite there yet. Not there yet. You know the feedback I've gotten for you know we've we've posted these on. This has been the IT Shop podcast. Today we've talked about the cloud. Look forward to next time when we cover disaster recovery. Tune in at www.theitshop.tv or look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and we'll see you next time.